welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Amen. If you were not here last week, um, we were talking about the shield of faith and uh, spoke a little bit about the two different kinds of shields that the Romans would use in their warfare, one being the size of a door and the other one being round. Amen. But uh, Paul was talking about here in Ephesians, and let's read it here, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 16. He said to them, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all, everybody say all, the fiery darts of the wicked, all the fiery darts. Take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Lord God, we thank you once again for your presence in the house. We thank you for your word because it is truly that lamp unto our feet. It will lead us and guide us even when the world becomes darker and darker. I pray, God, that your word would help us to shine brighter and brighter in this present world with a message of hope, amen, to somebody that we come in contact with. So God bless your word tonight. Help us to grow from it and help us to arm ourselves with it in Jesus' name. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All. Everybody say all. Amen. So I don't have time to go back and kind of retrace my uh, what we talked about last week, but uh, uh, tonight I will be dealing with the things that he throws at us, the fiery darts, and the scripture talks about that, the fiery darts of the wicked. So the darts of the devil are uh, a terrible thing to contend with, but we do contend with them. They are a part of our life, and it is uh, what is, uh, you know, normal, actually, and the arrows and darts that the enemy hurls in our direction uh, aren't just normal arrows. Paul, here in the scripture, was noting the way that the battles raged in Roman times and knew that the devil's attacks were just as deadly. The Romans were very skilled at warfare. Uh, if you've watched anything about them or studied on them, you would realize that those big shields that they would carry, or carry they, could, they could set up a perimeter to keep those inside of that perimeter safe. They were very precision, precise. They knew how to fight that battle. And uh, the enemy is also uh, sharp and cunning and uh, very uh, able uh, to inflict as much damage as possible. He's been doing this for a long time, right? Amen. So Paul noted the way that the battle raged 
back in that day and time, and he knew that the enemy of our soul, that the devil's attacks were just as deadly. So warfare in ancient times led soldiers to do one of two things, and just kind of follow with me uh, tonight. He would do one or two things with the arrows that he would fling. First, they would take the arrows, they would dip them in a, uh, uh, something called pitch, and set them on fire. How many has ever seen that one time or another? You've watched them kind of, that's how they do that. And they would raise that arrow back and they would fling it. They would shoot it at their enemy. Now, if you say, well, it was just on fire, it's going to hit something and, and we'll block it or whatever. The problem of it is when they dipped it in the pitch and they shot it at their enemies, that burning arrow, whatever target it hit, the pitch would then splatter the fire and then the fire would ignite whatever was around it. So number one. Number two, they would dip the arrow in a poisonous fluid or substance of differing types so that it would poison the soldier that it hit. Now, the reason for this is because they wanted to take somebody out of the battle. Whether it was the first arrow that was on fire or the second arrow that was dipped in poison, the goal was to take them out of the battle. Now, the, the ultimate goal was one they wanted, to, they wanted to destroy them. They wanted to kill them. <clears throat> but they didn't want them to be in a place where they could actually fight Again, so Paul noted that this was the way also that the enemy, the devil, also worked. He would use his wiles, that's a scripture word, a trick, a, 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 uh, uh, meant to fool, to trap, to entice. Amen. But another word, it says that he would use his wiles or he would use his device and the Bible says methods to destroy whatever he could. In other words, you want to prepare yourself. You don't want to just kind of haphazardly try to be a Christian and kind of come to church and, 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 and do all these different things without understanding the concept of warfare. Amen. Because if we don't understand the concept of warfare, we will get entangled in one of his traps or be fooled by his methods or his trickery. Amen. So we need to realize that the enemy is out. Turn to your neighbor and say, the enemy is out to destroy you. Amen. William Gurnall wrote this, Temptation doth not fall on us as a ball of fire on ice or snow, but as a spark or a tinder or as lightning on a thatched roof, which presently is on a flame. Amen. So the devil sends temptations that have a fiery quality about them. And, and he's going to send those temptations to try to draw us out from where we are presently located in God. Right? Amen. The enemy does not, does not, is not comfortable with you sitting in the house of God tonight. Amen. The enemy is not comfortable with you reading the Word of God. The enemy is not comfortable with you praying. Amen. Or you fasting. Or you witnessing. He's not comfortable with that because in his mind, he wants to take you out 
so that you will be ineffective in your relationship with God and in your relationship with other people. So if he can stop you from being a witness or stop you from praying or stop you from reading the word of God, then once again, let me say it, he will render you ineffective in this battle. In fact, James, in the first chapter of James, verse 13 through 16, notice what it says. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. That's the first thing you got to learn, right? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his, say it real loud, own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And then he goes on to say, do not err my beloved brethren. He's just warning them. He's letting them know, look, this is the battle. This is what we're in. Amen. This is a life and death warfare. This is, amen, a challenge to uh, our relationship with God. This is a challenge to our Christianity or to who we are in the kingdom of God. Amen. So understand that he's not going to just sit idly by while you're, while you're witnessing and, and you're winning souls and you're bringing people to the house of God. He's not just going to sit by and let that slide. No. He's going to target you. He's going to come after you. He wants you to get to that place to where you, amen, stop doing what you're doing. He doesn't mind, folks, that we come to church. He doesn't mind that we sing in a choir or play an instrument or teach a Sunday school class. Amen. If you do that with no results, then he doesn't mind because you're not effective. But if you start becoming effective as a child of God, he will target you. Amen. Why? To render you once again ineffective. Amen. So before we set out on a time of sensuality or or a life of promiscuity or we, we uh, uh, maybe go lower to feel higher, whatever it might be, before you trade in your godly character for the pleasures of this world, understand that you are giving away the very, the very hope and the only hope that you have for eternal life. Amen. Consider these, these wise words from uh, what would be considered an unlikely source. Oscar Wilde said this, The gods had given me almost everything, but I let myself be lured into long spells of senselessness and sensual ease. Tired of being on the heights, I deliberated, deliberately went to the depths and searched for new sensation. The paradox was to me in the sphere of thought. Per perversity became to me in the sphere of passion. I grew, he said, careless of the lives of others. I took pleasure where it pleased me. I passed on. I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character. And that therefore what one has done in the secret chamber, one has, 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 has someday to cry aloud from the housetop. I ceased to be lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my soul. 
and did not know it. And last he said, I allowed pleasure to dominate me. I ended in horrible disgrace. Now, folks, that's a, that's, a, that's a good way to say that this is the way the devil operates. This is the way the devil works. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. He wants to take you to the bottom. Amen. So he causes a, uh, uh, you know, in this sense, kind of if I could say it this way, a maddening to come over your soul so that we are literally without the covering of faith. Fighting this battle without the shield of faith is detrimental. Fighting it without the shield of faith is deadly. Amen. So we have to realize, amen, we're dealing with the, 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 uh, uh, the uh, uh, shield of faith. But realize, you say, well, is that the highest one? No. He said, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate, amen, of righteousness. You've got to be shed with the preparation of the gospel. So you've got to put on the whole armor, right? Amen. But it's that shield that is out, out front, amen, to, uh, to uh, give you a, a defense and allow you to take on the trickery, the wiles, the darts, the arrows of the wicked one. So you got to watch out for fiery darts. Fiery darts. All right, let me go through here uh, a few of them. Take heed on being the devil's tool. You know, the devil will use us sometimes if we allow that to happen. You may not recognize it. You may not realize it, but he will. Amen. Take heed of the devil's tool to put sinful corruption on someone else. Amen. So, so don't, don't become a stumbling block to somebody else. Don't, don't try to take somebody else down. Right? You say, well, pastor, that don't happen in the church. Oh, yes, it does. Amen. Because we can allow ourselves to be used in various ways to end up hurting somebody else. So take care in becoming overconfident. To think that you cannot fail or you cannot fall. Because it's that pride or that haughty spirit that goes before fall. Amen. So don't become overconfident. Some people have done that and they've lost out with God. Right? We'll talk about that in a minute. Take care in knowing that the darts he sends are swift. And sometimes they appear suddenly, out of nowhere, you are targeted. Take care in understanding that the darts he shoots come, comes from a lot of uh, unexpected places. Right? The errant words of a friend or a co-worker or a boss, and may I go further than that, or another saint of God. We have to be careful. we got to be careful what we say. It's very important to be careful what you hear, very careful what you see, but you also got to be careful of what you speak. What you speak can destroy somebody. And so these arrows that are shot by the enemy and by the devil as we know it and have, wounding, have a wounding, killing nature to them. In other words... Once again, he's trying to take you out. How many people have you known in the past that have fallen away from God because of a relationship? 
a relationship where something was said and they were offended by it. And instead of getting the proper care that they needed, they just kind of moved away from the church thinking, I I really don't want to be there no more because I was offended, I was hurt. How many has ever been offended one time or another in your life? (laughs) It's easy to offend. And sometimes people do it without really realizing what they're saying. Amen. So the arrows that are shot, they're, they're, they, they have that wounding, that killing nature. And, and folks, understand what I'm getting ready to tell you tonight. It doesn't take a rocket science, scientist to understand this. The devil hates us. Right? If any sinner or backslider could ever understand that this world, that the flesh does not love them, Amen. It would change the nature of the battle. You've got to understand, this is a battle. This is a warfare. Paul explicitly talked about it. That you have to arm yourself. And it's not with the weapons or the warfare of this natural world. It's with the Word of God. It's putting on Jesus Christ. It's putting on His Word. That's what will help you when that time comes. Let's clap our hands and praise Him together. So the shield, everybody say the shield. Amen. Now let's talk about that, the quenching, the quenching, the quench, quenching nature of the, seal, of the shield. Paul affirms to us that the shield has a quenching nature to it. Now you remember I, I talked about it last week, how they would make the frame of the shield, then when they, they would take the leather and they would stretch it over the shield, right? You remember that, if you were here? And then when they would do that, then they would oil the shield to make it supple, to make it, you know, to, to put it in a place to where it wasn't brittle. And so they would do that, but that was a daily thing. And that's why we talked about last week about the, the oil of the Holy Ghost. You need the anointing of God in your life every day. That anointing oil that you rub on that shield, that, that prayer life, that, you know, the, the, the reading of the word, so on and so forth, that's what prepares. Why? Because it's that shield that is so important. If it, if it is left unattended or you don't, you don't keep it up, then all of a sudden that leather becomes brittle and you become vulnerable. So Paul says that the shield has a quenching nature to it. Amen. In other words, it literally has the ability to put out the effects of the arrows. So, so there are some who are quite confident, or maybe I should say overconfident, in their walk with the Lord. Amen. But, but let me read you a scripture here that gives us some direction about that. Amen. Don't ever think that you've arrived. Don't ever think that you have, got, you have arrived and there is no instruction left for you. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. When you, feel, when you are at that place, I promise you, he's got an arrow or a dart just for you. And he'll wait for the right moment and then he will sling it. 1 Peter 5, 5. Notice what it says here. When he writes and he says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Don't ever think, young people, don't ever think that you, you, you have arrived and you, you, uh, and you know more than, than an elder. Amen. Somebody's been in the church in a while. 
Amen. What you need to do is submit and 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 put yourself in that place where you learn from their from from their life. Amen. From their their commitment to God. Amen. From from their prayer life, from their consistency in the things of God. Amen. And pray for them that God will keep them on on, on the right path, right? Likewise, younger, submit yourself to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Amen. And be clothed with humility. Don't look at your brother or sister like they haven't arrived yet. Amen. Amen. Be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. And then what did he say? You're clothed with humility and he says, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts when we are clothed with humility. Humility. And then we realize that our fight will never be successful if we wage that fight on our own. Don't fool yourself. You can't do it on your own. You're not going to overcome the things of the world in your flesh. You know, you're not going to overcome the temptations in your flesh. Amen. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. You're not going to do it in your flesh. So you just stop right now and just kind of recalibrate your thinking and say, you know what? I need God so that I can overcome. I need his anointing in my life. I need his presence in my life so that I might overcome those wiles and those methods of the enemy. And so the shield quenches the fiery darts when we follow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to follow. You know, John talked about it in 1 John 2, 15 uh, through 17. Notice, what's he say here? Why don't we read this out loud? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay? That's the first one. He just comes out swinging. Said, this is the first thing you got to understand. You can't love the world, the things that are in the world. If you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. All right? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, help me out, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, The pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Amen. What a a teachable moment here uh, in this scripture in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Amen. In other words, he said what? The things that are in the world, they are, you know, it's the lust of the flesh, the the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And, and And he says right then, it's not of the Father It's of the world. In other words, this is the enemy territory. Verse 17, it says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So understand that that the things of the world, they they have a time limit. There's a date on them. They're going to come to an end, but... If you have the Lord, if you have a relationship with Him, amen, if you, if you do with His will, then you, the will of God, it abideth forever. So your relationship with the Lord does matter. Praise God. So the shield of faith is rendered ineffective 
ineffective. It's almost like there's no anointing there, so it gets brittle. Once again, you become vulnerable. So the shield of faith is rendered ineffective when we love this world. Think about it. Think about it. In fact, our whole Christian walk is paralyzed by too much contact with this world. Yeah. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. I function in this world, but I'm not of this world. I walk in this world, but I also walk in the Spirit. Amen. I, I, I am a part of this world, but yet I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And if I, if I become a part of the world, then I will find myself ceasing to be a part of the kingdom of God. You have to choose. Paul says you've got to choose. Joshua says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. A choice has to be made. You can't, you can't walk. You can't straddle the fence here. You've got to get on one side or the other. Right? Amen. Amen. You, can't just, you can't just, you know, do it your way and, and, and be careless about things and, and, and expect God to bail you out. You need to walk with Him. You know, talk with Him. Amen. And, and, and realize that, that, that He wants you to be His. Right? So understand, amen, it quenches the fire by, you know, uh, but, but, but it, it, if, if, you don't, if you don't have that in your life, you will, uh, you will be paralyzed. You'll be paralyzed. You won't be able to do the right thing, right? So the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts of the wicked by helping us as a child of God, as a saint of God, to see beyond this world. Sometimes you know how we operate. We see things as we go along, Right? Uh, I like to look at it this way. If I'm walking down an unfamiliar path, if I'm out in the woods, and me and my wife did that recently, and we walk out in the woods, the one thing you do is you look at the path all the time. You look at the path because, you know, you're unsure of your territory. The, pro- the problem with that is, is that when you look at the path, you're missing everything else that's going on. Amen. When you walk that path, Amen. I like to be on, on, in places where I'm sure of where I'm at. That way I can pay attention to what's going on around me. Right? You see the birds. Amen. The squirrels. Occasionally you might see a deer flutter off somewhere. But you've got to realize that, 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 that uh, uh, you know, the, the, this, this, the shield of faith, this walk with God, is helping us to look beyond this present world. And so it, it takes the, the mist out of the way, the fog out of the way, and helps us to see through sin and also its horrible effects. If you're walking in a spiritual cloud all the time, amen, a fog, a mist, if, if that's where you're at all the time and you're just walking in this mist, amen, you're going to hit all kinds of things. But if you will allow yourself to walk in the Spirit, He will raise you up above that to where you could see further ahead. I like being up in the mountains. We were up in the mountains one time not too long ago. And, and uh, as we were up there at, at the cabin, and you get up in the morning, and uh, as you looked out, 
that cup of coffee and, and that, that porch and you would look out over the mountains and, and, and you would see the tops of the mountains but, 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 but you couldn't see anything below. Why? Because the cloud covered everything below. It was, a, it was, it was a, a crazy feeling because you're above that but you didn't know what was going on below right there. Let me tell you something. That's why it's important. Your relationship with God is so important because it will raise you up. Amen. Where you can walk in the things of God. God can, God can help you through all of the different circumstances in your life. Amen. You can, get, you can clear your head of the fall and say, God, here I am. Help me. Lead me. Guide me. Let's read a scripture on that. Hebrews 11 chapter. Beginning verse 24 through 26. What's it, what's it say here? It says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, there was a lot of prestige in that, folks. I mean, he, wasn't, he, he just wasn't anybody. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we know the story of Moses. We understand that. We get all that. But at this moment, she had, his mother had taken him out of the, the bulrushes, and she had raised him, amen, in, 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 the, in the palace. And, and was connected to the Pharaoh. And, and so he was raised in that. And, 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 and so, but he had to make a choice. There was a day that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So faith has a piercing eye and can see much further than your carnal, unspiritual eye. Does that matter, Pastor? Oh, yes, it does. It matters. It matters. Man, because if you want to make it, you got to be focused on the goal, focused on the and 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 learn how to to fight, learn how to 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 do this warfare the correct way. Some people say, "Well, God understands." No, God doesn't. You say, "Well, God, 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 I'm just a human. God understands." No, He doesn't. You say, well, well, why would you say that? Well, I, there's all kinds of Bible that tell me that. He calls you out of this darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. Choose who you're going to serve. Amen. Walk in the things of God. The psalmist said that his word is a lamp unto our feet. Amen. In other words, light will separate you from darkness. Without light, we will roam in darkness with all the pain and the suffering and the agony and all the things that go on in darkness. You don't know where you're going. You're just kind of groping around. But God, when you let his light come into your life, amen, he will help you, amen, through those moments and those times of your life that you may have a question why, but he says, I will be with you. I will be the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I will lead you. I will guide you. So the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts. Why? By taking away the fuel, the fuel that feeds 
temptation. Look, let me tell you something right now. We have to stand strong in this last day. You might say, well, this don't matter, or that don't matter, or something else don't matter. Do you, are you willing to take that chance? My dad always used to tell me it's better to be safe than sorry. Amen. Realize it does matter. Your relationship with God, forget about everything else. Your relationship with God matters. And if we will live for God, God begins to work on us. What's that little song, Jesus, on the inside, working on the outside? Oh, what a change in my life, right? Amen. So Jesus working on us. It's got it's to start from the inside. So your relationship does matter with Jesus Christ. So, so, so the fiery darts, that, that shield of faith quenches the fiery darts by taking away the fuel uh, that feeds and tapes. So, you know, what, what about the, the five wise and the five foolish, right? The oil in their lamp. The cry went out. Right? Amen. Five had oil. The other five didn't. They let their, their oil, uh, uh, you know, was, was gone. Then they asked, can we borrow some from you? And they said, no, not le- you know, unless we don't have enough. But understand this. If you empty the lamp of its oil, it will go out. That's no, that's no you know, that's not, that's not something you don't know. If you've lived long enough, you know that. I've got a kerosene heater. It works great. But it's not going to run more than eight hours on full blast. Once that kerosene ends, it goes out. You got a, you got a, 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 a what do they call those little lamps you guys used to have years ago? Uh, no, what's it called? The lanterns. I don't have my hearing aids on tonight. Okay. You got the, the, the little lanterns with the oil. If they go out, you don't have no light. So just it's just simple things here. If you let the Spirit of God dwindle down in your life because of the cares of, the, of this life and the world and everything going on, and you let that just expend itself, you have no light. You have nothing to light up the pathway that you're walking on. That's why the anointing, is so, the anointing is so important. The anointing oil is so important. That's like they oiled that shield. Let me say it again. They oiled that shield. It was paramount that they did that, amen, every day, amen, to keep that shield prepared for warfare. Amen. That's why you and I need to get in the anointing of God every day. Somebody says, well, I don't pray that much. Well, let me ask you something right now. If you were in a relationship, you got, you're married and, and, and you're in a relationship, if you never talk to them, do you think your relationship's going to work? I mean, at least have something to say, right? You're just not going to walk past them every day until something's going to erupt in that place and, 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 and your relationship's going to be over. Amen. So let me just tell, let me be blunt. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's fixing to be blunt. If, if you don't pray, you are going to pay. You will pay because your spiritual man will die. And you will have nothing to stand in the way between you and the enemy that's trying to destroy your soul.
You want revival? We better learn how to pray. You want these seats filled up? We better learn how to pray. We better become effective Christians instead of ineffective Christians. But pastor, I don't have time to pray. You better make time to pray. Because I'm telling you right now, the enemy is hot on your trail and he's trying to destroy you and you're just saying, well, I just really don't pray. Well, man, get with it and pray. Spend some time. You say, Pastor, you're getting a little aggravated right now. I am because I want people to be saved. I don't want them to run into that dart or that, that, that arrow that's trying to take them out. Not, not, and it's coming from some unknown area. I want you to be saved. I want you to be ready. So you got to know how to pray. you got to get the anointing in your life. It's the only way we're going to make it, saints. You know, do you know that God could come tonight? He could come tomorrow. When you lay your head down on a pillow at night, you don't know what's going to happen those next uh, few hours. So we have to prepare ourselves. That wasn't in my notes. That's just a little added addition there. No oil in your lamp, no light, no light, no oil, no light. Amen. Anointing. So let me go on. Pride. Everybody say pride. Pride is what fuels the temptation because it appeals to us to be much more important than what we ought to be. Pride, pride, a puffed up spirit. You know, I've been in this way for a long time. I know what I'm talking about. Well, you may know some things, but you don't know everything. Don't ever get to the place to where you think that you're all that. Because the enemy will, will check your spirit real quick and knock you down a few pegs. The enemy doesn't want you to be successful. Amen. And so you need to realize that we are, you know, they have an expression where they say, you ain't all that. How many ever heard that? You ain't all that. Some people say, I'm all that plus a bag of chips. No, we ain't all that. We need to stay humble because pride will destroy us. Humility will raise us up. Right? Let's clap our hands and praise Him tonight. Hallelujah. I read this as those that drink a small, a tall glass of self-importance before they go into the world every morning are, are particularly drawn into its trap. We are important. We're self-important. You see, we've got to realize that this, this spirit of pride, this puffed up spirit of pride, this, it puts you in a vulnerable place. Right? A humble man does not take this route because he's aware of what ultimately will come to pass. In fact, the psalmist said this in chapter 73, verse 7, when he said, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. When I went into the sanctuary of God. 
You know, we come into the sanctuary of God and we get into his presence. Amen. All of a sudden, that, 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 that the scales fall off and we see things for what they are. Amen. You see, because when you come into the house of God, we'll put it this way. When you enter into the presence of God, whether it's your prayer place at home, here in the house of God, wherever it might be. When you enter into the presence of God, it is that presence that makes us understand where we're at. It shows us where the enemy's pitfalls are. I was reading about some of this war going on in Iraq and how they send these drones. They've got these drones that are going over uh, the sea and these drones can pick up the landmine, or not the landmine, but the, the mines, the, the ship mines that they have planted out in the ocean and it gives them a chance to see where they're at and mark them and destroy them. Amen. Why? The mines are there to destroy other people and the enemy. Amen. But that drone that flies over, that's keeping watch at that 30,000, so to speak, level, or 20,000, whatever it is, it's picking them. It sees them. It's here. It's there. It's over here. Why? Because it's looking out for those other ships. Let me stop and tell you right now. Amen. Getting in the presence of God is going to bring you to the place to where you're going to be able to see the pitfalls, the dangers, amen, that the enemy is going to bring your way. He's got them set. He's got them set, right? He's got. Let me hurry up here before, before, I, before, I, before we quit here. Amen. So faith, faith says to us, if you had this entire world, it would not add to your height one inch in the eyes of God. If you had the entire glory of this world, it would not satisfy your soul. If you had the crown of the world on your head, it would not last because there is a judgment day that's waiting. Perhaps one of the greatest ways that faith destroys the fiery darts is by showing us the exploits and the actions of those who have gone on before us. Don't forget about those that have went on. Think about their life. Think about how they lived. Amen. Put it a part of your life. So rather than defile their conscience and prostitute their souls, they looked to a higher calling and reward. Daniel 1.8. Here's what he said. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, it makes no difference what position I've got. It makes no difference where I stand in the king's court. I will not defile myself. So no matter what, where, your li- where, where you leave, lead your life or what you do in this world, understand You must have that goal. I will not defile myself with the king's meat or the things of the world. Hebrews 11, 13. These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in this earth. They died in the faith not having received the promise, but they seen them afar off and were persuaded by them. 
and they embraced them. Hebrews 11, let me go on down to, uh, to verse 33 to 40. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the enemies of, of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of the bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Verse 40 says, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So here's where I close. Jude 1.3 says this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation." It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Our faith is that body of doctrine that the early church taught and held to. But the Bible is also very clear that God is our shield. Let me give you three more scriptures in Psalms. Psalms 3, 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my, my glory and my lifter up of mine head. Chapter 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I, I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. Chapter 33, verse 20 says, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. No Lord, no shield. No relationship with Him, you don't have Him. You don't have the protection of Him. Many other scriptures that we could express that express the same thought. Talking about our shield. Amen. But let me tell you this tonight. You need to get a hold of him and hang on to him with all the strength that you have. Because when it's all said and done and everything else falters and everything else fails, it's his presence that's going to sustain you. We take to him. Amen. We go where he goes. We take him into battle with us every day. Amen. And there, he assures us of a reward. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word never passes away. We say it, we have heaven to gain and hell to shun. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to effectively walk with God and allow God to really be effective in your life. Praise God. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. 
I hope some of this the last couple weeks has really helped you because I'm telling you, we can be an effective church. We can be an effective Christian. But we have to allow Him to transform our lives and affect us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Let's raise our hands and pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Truly, it is a lamp unto our feet. It strengthens us. It feeds us. It nurtures us. It leads us. It guides us. It gives us the help that we need on a daily basis. And God, in this world that we live, Lord, we know that we need you more now than ever before. And I pray, God, that you would bless us, that you would go with us, that you would help us to be an effective tool, amen, for the kingdom of God, amen. And the enemy that comes after us with his wiles and methods, his tricks and his, and his arrows and, and his darts and, and, uh, that come from every which way, Lord, help us to realize that our, our relationship with you is the very thing that will stop that from inflicting damage in our lives. So God... Lead us and guide us, protect us, and keep us in the center of your will. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Can we clap our hands and praise him again tonight?